0: Tim number two. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's correct. And, and I'm Tim number two because I'm younger. That's right. That's right. That's right. All right. So, uh, you all have Bibles? Everybody has a Bible? You got a Bible? was passed out otherwise, right? So you're good there. Um, So you've been looking at Colossians, right? Is that? Okay, just making sure, because otherwise I'm prepared for the wrong group. So um, it's pretty cool to be in this room, even though it's like just this gym with (laughs) barnacles or something on the wall, right? This used to be the worship center, for the church before we built the worship center. Anyone remember when it was we used to have services in here? But a lot has a lot has changed, right? Just like I'm sure since we met in here when it was a worship center and not a gym, a lot has changed in your lives, right? A lot has changed in my life. What are some things that you used to do in your life that now you look back and think, "Why in the world did I do that?" What's something, Derek? You still pick your nose. I, I misheard you. <laughs> okay. Okay. One, one step at a time. One step at a time. And kids are leaving now. What else? What's something you, you used to do? You used to do it and you just think, why would I have ever done that? Jason. Um, for some reason, I ate dirt. Oh. ate dirt. Everyone eats a little bit of dirt in their life. Oh, Intentionally ate dirt. Okay. Yeah. Why would you do that, Luna? You used put, put jeans under your skirt. Okay. Now you put the jeans over the skirt. I'm sure. Lachlan. Color on, my face with permanent marker. Color on your face with permanent marker. Okay. All right. Julio. Draw on your whole arm. Make my whole arm black. Yeah, like a tattoo. All right. Daniel. What? You used to lie to your mom saying you did your homework, now you just don't do your homework and don't tell her. Is that that where it changed? Well, um, so before we came here, before my family moved here, I used to be a painter. Um, And that's not something I look back and think, why did I do that? But now I'm at a point in my life where I don't really like going up on ladders. Like I used to go up on like a 40 foot ladder way up on a roof. And now I'm like, I don't really think I want to go up on a ladder. And I look back and think, why did I do that? Like, why did I risk my life to, you know, reach that one spot? Um, so things like that. But uh, it reminds me of a, of a story of another house painter. Uh, he was at work. He was on, on top of a tall ladder in the same way. And it was leaning against this second-story house cable. So it was really high up. And there was a small boy that was playing, a neighborhood boy that was playing, about two or three years old. He discovered the ladder in the yard. So as it natural for small boys, and you might think back to when you were a kid and things that you used to do and think, why would I do that? That's so dangerous. This little boy started to climb this ladder. And his mother, checking on him, was shocked to find he was more than halfway up the ladder, this little boy, two or three years old. So she let out this stifled scream of panic And the painter, he looks down, he sees the boy, and he instantly perceives this is a matter of life and death. Now, we'll get back to that boy shortly. But we want to get into the book of Colossians. And uh, I'm sure you've been looking at the the background of this book. When Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians uh, church, he was was combating a, a type of heresy that existed in the church that said that some believers... Some followers of Christ became more like Jesus when they submitted to a series of rules and regulations. People were focused more on following laws, which is called what? Called legalism. They were more focused on being a legalist than actually following Christ. They were more focused on the laws. And they believed that true perfection, true change, came by not handling, not touching, not tasting. I'm sure you looked at some of that. And these rituals and and these restrictions that they had never actually solved the problem of sin in the life of a believer. So here in this chapter of Colossians, Paul, he sets out to establish a true prescription for righteousness and godly living, which is Christ himself. So go ahead and take just uh, two or three minutes to read through Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, and uh, just do a survey there and we'll talk about some observations. All right, how are we doing? Good. Any uh, initial thoughts or observations that you have from this passage? Lachlan? It mentions evil desires and greed. Right. talks a lot about evil desires, sinful things, which is idolatry. Yeah, and if I don't know your name, I'll just point to you, but I know your name. Um, ben. It's like earthly things. Earthly things. Contrasting heavenly things, things that are above, right? Good. What other observations that we have? Elizabeth. See things Seeking things that are above, right? Putting our focus there. Good. Good. Derek. Speaks of life and death. Life and death. Yeah. Two very important topics. Yeah, so so we're going to get into it. Who is Paul? addressing in this passage. According to verse 1, if you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Who is he talking to in this passage? Bronwyn. Um, Believers, right? If you have been raised with Christ, right? Those who have been raised with Christ. Christians, believers, followers of Christ. And, And you'll notice too, there's a contrast here. If you look back uh, just a couple of verses at Colossians 2.20. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, right? And the contrast we see here is if you have been raised with Christ. So the more you look through this book, the more you'll get to see some of that, that contrast and comparison. So according to this verse, what should we be seeking after? Mentioned it already in our observations. Seeking things that are above, right? right. So what does that mean? Seeking things that are above where Christ is. It means we want to focus on Christ, right? He should be the center of our attention. The word seek that's used here, it means to aim at, to strive after, to crave, to desire, or to aspire towards. So why do we seek after what is above? Why do we seek after Christ? There's some thoughts there. Why do we seek after Christ? Um, say, uh, like right. Right. Okay, well, <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves. No, that's, that's good. That's good. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, and you won't be so focused on the things that are here on earth, the things that tempt us into sin. Christ is above, right? He's above all things. Spiritually, he's the head of the church and physically above, right? Reigning in heaven. And so because we have been raised with him, then our focus should be on him. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. So our focus is on him because he is above. And that's where our life is. We keep our focus there because he changed our life. And if we continue to focus on him, he will continue to change us. So our position in Christ, it really provides the basis and the power for a transformed life. Now, in general, I think a lot of times as Christians, we think about the death of Christ a lot. We talk about the death of Christ because Jesus died for us, right? And we tell people that Jesus died for you, Jesus died for me which is an important truth that we need to know. But if you want to grow as a follower of Christ, if you want to grow as a Christian, then the resurrection of Christ needs to be a focal point of your faith. Our faith depends on Jesus' resurrection. If he is not raised from the dead, then there is no hope for us. So our focus must be on the risen Savior, Our life depends on his resurrection. And that is why we seek the things that are above where the resurrected Lord is. If or since then you have been raised with Christ, not raised physically from the dead, not, right, anybody here experienced that yet? Okay, a couple of you, yeah. I don't think we've had the, the opportunity to experience that yet, but we've been raised spiritually. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. But in Christ, we have been raised spiritually, and so we are dead to those things. So our resurrection in Christ at this point in our lives, in our walk as believers, is a spiritual one. And just as our Lord, after his physical resurrection, ascended to heaven, that he might draw us up to him, we too have ascended spiritually. The life of a believer is already secure in heaven. And Ephesians 2, 5 and 6 says that even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, God made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him and seated us where? According to Colossians 3, 2. Where were we seated? We were seated in heaven above with Christ because our life is hidden in him. So if we desire to seek the things that are above, then what should we do according to this verse, according to verse two? Set our minds on things that are above, not things of this world, right? And the word word here for setting our minds means to direct one's mind to, or to make, seeking the things that are above, Great illustration. Thank you, gymnasium, for that. Direct your minds too. Make that your main focus. That's what it means here. It's your thoughts. Your thoughts should constantly be on the risen Savior. We are seated with him in the heavenly places. So we seek the things that are above where he sits because we are seated with him as well. Our life in Christ at this point is similar to the final days of high school. How many of you are getting close to that point? Okay, so none of you are there yet, but when you're preparing to finish high school, you'll probably finish your classes a week or two before you actually graduate, right? Those of you that are seniors, you know, when school ends for you, everybody else still has more time and you probably have a practice a couple days beforehand with your cap and gown, directed where to walk. Now even though you haven't officially crossed the stage yet to get your diploma, you're done with all your classes and you're fully assured that you're going to graduate high school, right? Because once classes are over and you're practicing for graduation, you know you're gonna graduate, you know you're going to get the diploma, you've already achieved the goal of finishing high school. And believers today, stay with me here, believers today, we have already achieved heavenly status in Christ before we even get there. And just as you as high school students and junior hires, when you graduate, you're not going to look back to high school, right? You're not gonna look back to those classes that you took. You're gonna be looking ahead to the diploma, to what's in front of you. You're not gonna worry about what grades you got on your finals or your PSSAs or any of that. You're focused on what's ahead of you. Crossing that stage, knowing that the diploma is already yours. And so those who are in Christ seek him who is above because the old life is behind them. It doesn't matter anymore because that's not who you are anymore. You have a new identity in Christ. Or you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So here's a question. What do you think it means that your life is hidden with Christ in God? What do you think that means? Okay. God is washing over our lives. Okay. Okay. I like that thought. Other thoughts there? Well, the word here, hidden, it implies concealment and safety. We are safe and secure in Christ. We are sealed, Scripture says, for the day of redemption. We are safe. Our identity is safe in Christ. Why do you think that safety, that security is important to us as believers? have that safety and security in Jesus Christ? We can never Chloe. We can, never Could be, we can never earn it. Yeah. Yeah, so he died for us. He was raised from the dead so that we can have that righteousness that we cannot earn ourselves, and that is secured in Christ. Yeah. Yeah, great. And you, you have not died physically, right? But your old sinful self has died that old self that was easily tempted because sin had such a strong hold on you, that old self is dead. You're different now than you used to be because of Jesus Christ, because of his resurrection. You don't have to let the old self, the old habits, the old way of living rule your life anymore because Jesus Christ is risen. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. The I that is crucified is the old self that had no chance, like Chloe said, no chance of standing before God because he is righteous. Because we cannot earn that righteousness. The old self that we refer to and we say, you know, I'm struggling with this sin. I need you to pray for me. Right? We have things that we struggle with. And so we, we talk to our friends, we talk to our leaders about that because we're struggling with these sins. We, we need prayer for that. That old self is dead. We have a new identity in Christ. And because of that, because his spirit lives in us, we have the power and the grace to overcome those sins every day when we stay focused on him who is above. The great truth is that in Christ, There is no longer a struggle. He has taken that self and he has held it in the place of death. He nailed it to the cross. He died to take the punishment, to bear the wrath of God for that old self. And now that old self, that life that you used to live, the ways in which you used to walk, is dead. It is nailed to the cross and you have a new identity in Christ that you can walk in. And all you need to do is stand in that position, knowing that your life is hidden in Christ by faith. Now, you'll face temptations. In our lives, at times, we, we might get caught in, the, in traps and in patterns of sin in our lives. But Satan cannot take away Satan cannot take away our position of eternal security because our life is hidden in Christ. Satan can't take that away from us, right? Jesus Christ is supreme over everything. Satan cannot touch Jesus. He tried to tempt him. He was not successful. And if Satan cannot touch Jesus, then how can he touch us if our life is hidden in him? He can't. Our life in Christ is new. It is, it is a, a life that is hidden in him, but we have the ability, again, through grace and through his spirit, to walk in the way that he's calling us to when we set our focus on him. And the, the new perfective life that we seek to attain that won't be realized until graduation, right, when Christ returns... Then we will reign with him eternally in glory, as it says in verse 4, as he reveals to us the truest form of life when we will be as he is. Now, as we move to verse 5, Paul kind of changes his tone here. And what reminder does he give us in this first part of verse 5? What's the reminder we see there? Ben? put to death what is earthly in you our our sinful earthly desires that's what he's talking about the phrase put to death you know what that means? it means to make something dead right? put it to death make that dead it suggests that we we don't simply try to uh, suppress or try to control evil thoughts and actions we we wipe them out completely put them to death we completely remove those things from our life because of our position in christ paul says put to death those earthly things in you we put these things to death why because they're already dead they're nailed to the cross they were crucified with christ Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, idolatry, pride. What are some other sins that we like? Let's just go around. What's your favorite sin? Just just shout them all out. They're all dead to us. They have no control over us. And, and that's what he's saying. Put these things to death. And the ironic twist here is that we're called to put these things to death that are already dead to us, right? We have a call to work out our salvation as believers. So how does that work? Putting these things to death, working out your salvation, walking in righteousness. Well, even though we have old sinful uh, desires and this old self that has been crucified, the effects of sin... Still exist in this world, and they still exist in the life of a believer every day. So, what do we do about that? Can we pray? Can we read scripture? Can we worship? Can we fast? Can we discipline ourselves to avoid certain situations in our lives where we might be in danger, where we might be tempted to sin? Absolutely, we can do that. But can we do any of those things on our own? No. I hope that we would all realize that by ourselves, we can do nothing to overcome sin. We need Christ to do that. We need to trust in his death and resurrection on our behalf to overcome those sins. And notice that all these things that... Paul is talking about their heart issues. It's not simply changing behavior because that can, that can be done very easily. It's a matter of crucifying what's in here. Letting the spirit of God transform us from the inside out. Now I'm sure we're all familiar with the story of David and Goliath, right? You've heard that one. 1 Samuel 17, the Philistines, the enemies of Israel, they present themselves for battle against God's people. And they have their great champion, Goliath. He's the head of the troops. And he stands there, he's, he's armored to the teeth, challenging anyone from the Israelite army to fight him alone. And nobody dared to fight him. Now, David, at the time, he's a young boy, and he's going back and forth, feeding his father's sheep, living in simplicity every day. Easy, sheep herding, giantless life. Yeah, he had to kill some, some wild animals, right? He didn't have to face a giant. And after 40 days of Goliath challenging the Israelite army. David's father sent David to see his brothers because they're all in the army. And as David is visiting, Goliath came up once again and David heard him. And the men of Israel say, have you seen this man? And David's like, yeah, so what? I'll fight him. And he says this to King Saul and the king's like, listen, just go do your your sheep thing. You're going to get killed if you try to fight that giant. But David replies, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And he went out, no armor on, right? No weapon other than five pebbles that he took from a brook. And Goliath sees him and lets out a Tim Chase laugh at him. (laughs) But David continues to trust in the Lord. He trusts that God will deliver Goliath into his hands. To David, Goliath, in his mind, to David, Goliath is already dead because before David even engages in battle, his sight is fixed on the Lord. His faith sees no difficulty defeating Goliath because he is confident that God will give him the victory. So he remains focused on God. Let us never be the kind of people who place our faiths in ourselves, thinking that I'm a good Christian, you know, I I pray so so many times a day, or I do these, these good things, and putting our faith in the things that we do. It's that same kind of pride that was nailed to the cross. This is the same belief that we have power in ourselves to win a spiritual battle on our own. We can't. We can't put these these things, right? We can't put them to death on our own, our sin. But when we learn to fix our mind on Christ, the one who is the head, the one in whom our lives are hidden, we abide in him, we can be confident that justice will be done to those things that tempt us as the victory is already won. Just like David in his mind, he already saw Goliath as dead. He knew the victory was his because his sights were fixed on the Lord. We already have the victory in Christ. Romans 8 says that if by the spirit we put to death the deeds of the body, earthly things, sinful things, we will live. And these things... Paul says here in Colossians, are idolatry. And what do we get when we seek after these idols, these sinful desires? What does Scripture say here in Colossians that we will get when we seek after these things? Verse six. Ben. The wrath of God. The wrath of God is coming. So here's a question. If... if Christ took on God's wrath on our behalf died for our sins is that wrath still coming for us? No, it's, it's coming for unbelievers there's a future wrath that is reserved for unbelievers who do not place their faith in Christ. Now there are still consequences today if you sin God still disciplines his children if they're not following after him and they're caught in sin, and they don't repent and return to God. There are consequences for it, but the wrath of God is reserved for unbelievers. But notice here, again, there's a a contrast between past and present. Verse 7, and these you once walked, and then in verse 8, Paul says, but now, so this is what you used to do, this is your former life, which is behind, it's been crucified, and now, in the present, put them all away and seek Christ first. And what are we to do? Verse 10. Put on the new self, right? We put off the old self. It's been crucified. And now we put on the new self. Althea. Come again. The law of return the law of return. I don't know what that phrase means. It's like, um... So when, when you do something that you shouldn't do, whatever that is, eventually there, you might not realize the consequences right away or the harm that it's doing to you right away. But if you continue in that sin, eventually it will catch up with you and you will see the consequences of it. God God gives us grace and mercy when we sin, but eventually, if we continue in something, there will be consequences. But now we put on the new self, and we can't wait until the moment that sin appears in our life to recognize that truth about Christ, that our life is hidden in him. Like David, we have to make it a daily practice before we encounter any situations, before we even get out of bed, to put on Christ. Each new day, we must be reminding ourselves that we are a new creation in Christ and that our old self has been nailed to the cross. Because of Christ's resurrection, as believers, we must see ourselves as alive to Christ in righteousness and put on the new qualities that are prompted by love. Putting on a new self is putting on Christ. He is our armor. Just as just as David didn't need armor, he had faith. We put on Christ who is our armor. So what is happening to this new self now according to verse 10? What does it say? We put on the new self and what? It is being renewed. Right? What does that mean, to be renewed? It means to grow up, to make something new, to be changed into the kind of life that is the opposite of the former way of living. We are now being renewed in the image of God, which is ultimately Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. That's that's the image that we're being renewed into. So how are we being renewed? Again, we're being renewed in knowledge. So we set our minds on things that are above and keep our focus on him. And that is how we are transformed. When we focus on him, keep your minds fixed on him, you're transformed. You're renewed as you learn to know your creator, as you learn to know your savior on a personal, intimate level and become like him. So what are the implications to all of this according to verse 11? Yeah, we, we all have equal access to Christ. There's no distinction, right? Here there's not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. The new man, the new self, is part of a family, right? And God does not favor a race, nationality, a a class, social status. God favors Jesus and his righteousness. Because in the family of God, Christ is all and is in all. Because Christ is all that matters, right? And that's why we set our sights on him. We seek him as above because that's all that matters, what what are some other implications that we see there even just looking at this whole passage all this talk about a new self when we're raised to life in Christ God sees what thinking about our identity here in verse 11 when we're raised to new life in Christ what does God see He sees us as his children. He sees us as he sees his son. He doesn't see our past. He doesn't see the old self. He sees Christ when he looks at us. So then our focus should also be on him. And that is why Paul says there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, Lake Lehman student or Dallas student or homeschooled, college-bound or working right out of school, because at the core of every believer, of every follower of Christ, at your core, you are first and foremost new creations in Jesus Christ. Think about when you go out for Adopt a Highway night. How many of you have participated in that here at TNT? Every one of you, no matter what clothes, right, what old clothes you're wearing that night, you put on what? What? The vest, right? The fluorescent vests, right? You all do that when you go out. By putting on those vests, you are signifying that you're all members of a certain group that stands for something. All of us here have put on a new self. If you are a follower of Christ, you have put on a new self. So now your identity is hidden with Christ and you're part of God's family in which Christ dwells. We have put off the old self at the cross and the new self is put on daily through Christ's resurrection. Just like the boy on the ladder. He's about halfway up, probably about 15 feet up on the ladder and the painter looks to the mom and just gives her a, looks down at the child, calmly says, Look up here. Keep looking at me. That's it. Climb up. And rung by rung, the painter coaxed the child higher up on the ladder. Come on. A couple more. Keep looking up. Keep climbing. And at last, the child was safe in his arms, and the painter carried him safely to the ground. Keep looking Keep seeking Christ who transforms you into his likeness, trusting in his words that you may rest securely in him who is above as you are being renewed daily. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your grace, for your son, Jesus, who died in our place and did not stay dead, but he was resurrected so that we could have a new life, that we could be a new creation through him, that we could be made righteous so that you would see us as righteous, as you see your son when you look at us, so that we could be part of your family, that we can be part of the body of Christ that our life could be hidden in him. We do not need to fear a thing in this world because our life is hidden in Christ. Let our hearts and our minds and our bodies be fixed on you, that we might love you with all of our being, that we might seek Christ first to transform us to make us more like him.